0: All right, well, good morning. It's glad to see all of your wonderful faces here this morning, full of excitement and life and energy and energy and life. There we go. All right, so I'm so glad to be back. Um, I've been in San Diego the last week, and it's been great, but I'm still operating off of California time. So if I stumble or fall asleep in the middle of me speaking, I'm sorry. (laughs) So glad to be with you guys. We're going to um, finish our series here that we've been doing for the last 10 weeks, entitled From Good to Great in God's Eyes. We've been dealing with this book um, written by an author and a pastor by the name of Chip Ingram. He's been sharing with us the concept of going from good to great in life, from dealing with um, life's uh, issues and challenges, um, from being good at things to being great, how to excel in a way that God gets full glory, that he's excited about it where he is uh, um, just amazed and honored by the things that we do. And so we've been dealing with several different topics the last couple weeks, and so we're ending up the book. Again, I want to challenge each and every one. If you have not gotten the book yet, if you have not gotten an audio book, if you haven't gotten the book, please do. It's one of the books that's um, changed my life, and hopefully it's been a blessing to you guys the last couple weeks that we've been going through this. We're going to be dealing with the last part of this book, which is From Good to Great in God's Eyes, Part 10, um, Developing Great Habits. I want us to pray real quick, and then we'll get into this. Our uh, Father God, it's by your grace, it's by your mercy, by your love, and by your kindness that you watch over us, that you protect us, that you lavish us with your love. And so, God, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to receive your truth, that you, Lord God, would speak to us in great relevant ways, that we would know you on deeper levels, Father. You are the awesome Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And so, Father, use these moments, sanctify it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, don't stand today. We're going to read a passage from Chip Ingram's book, this actual uh, 10th chapter, Developing Great Habits. I want you to listen to what Chip Ingram says, this quote that he gives us.
1: What we have been trained to do, whether good or bad, defines to some degree our benefits to the people around us and the kingdom of God.
0: That's awesome. I want to read it one more time so you guys can just kind of fully catch it. Let's read it one more time.
1: What we have been trained to do, whether good or bad, defines to some degree our benefits to the people around us and the kingdom of God.
0: What Chip Ingram says here is he says, um, whatever we do, good or bad, um, how we've been trained to process this information, how we've trained to be been processed living out life, good or bad, in a way will end up showing itself out in how we deal with other people and how we express and we experience who God is. He says the habits that we begin to produce will ultimately show how we interact and how we treat and how we entertain and how we deal with people. It will also be a reflection of our relationship with Christ and his kingdom. And so he says the habits that we produce, the habits that we produce, the lifestyle that we produce, the way that we keep doing things over and over again will produce a certain result that reflects our relationship with Christ and reflects our relationship with other people. Habits are extremely important. They're good habits and their bad habits. I don't know if you guys grew up in, in, a, in a similar household that I did, but one of the habits that we had, oh, you're going to be mad at me in just a second. One of the habits that we had was when you come into a building as a, as a young man, you're supposed to do what? Take off your hat. Now, that culture has kind of changed a little bit, you know, because we're cool now, everybody, whatever. But that was one of those things. Um, when a young lady was coming to a door, it was the responsibility or the man to go and open that what? that door for her. It was a part of manners. It was a part of custom. It was a part of developing this habit that says that we're supposed to operate a certain kind of way. Habits expressed in some form or fashion who we are and what we believe in our values. When you were at the dinner table, mom and dad used to tell you to get your what off the table? Elbows off the table because you wanted good dinner habits. Habits express to people who we are to some extent, and habits express who we are as far as a relationship to Christ. And so Chip Ingram tells us in this book that in order for us to go from good to great, you and I have to begin to experience great, amazing, unbelievable habits with God and with others. I want to share with you today a couple of amazing habits we need to develop or we ought to develop to have an amazing life. Here's the first one I want to share with you. It's only 100, so it shouldn't take that long. Um, number, is, is, I'm just playing. It's 60. Okay, here we go. The first habit we want to share, number one, put God first. Put God first. Let's read that. Matthew 6.33.
1: Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need.
0: He says, in order to to have this lifestyle that's going to bring honor and glory to God, in order to have this lifestyle that's going to bring you to the fullest heights of life, the first thing we need to do is make a habit of putting God first. We have a habit of putting everyone else first and me first and God way down at the bottom of the list. And in order for you and I to be successful, to have great habits, to have great mentality, great thinking, great process, great life, we've got to start putting who first? Woo, that was weak. Let me try it again. We got to start putting new first? We got to start putting God first. We have to make him our number one priority. He has to be the center and the focal point of why we do what we do. In order to have good habits, we need to have a habit that expresses who God is in everything that we do because that's where God gets the glory and he gets the honor. And if God is not put first in what we do in our habits and how we deal with our life, we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we are slipping away. God is not the priority. God is not the focal point. God is not the center of our lives. We need to put God first in everything that we do. Our habit is that we're starting to raise our children. is not to raise them so they can just be successful people in, in our community, in our society, that they're, they're participating and involved in society, but that they understand who Christ is in a way that they walk out the life of Christ, the ways of Christ, in a way that the community can say that is somebody that lives by a higher standard of moral values, not by what the book says or an author says or the co-worker says, but by the values of Christ. When we start making it a habit that our children are learning God's Word, when we start making it a habit that our children are singing about God, when we start making a habit that our children are able to pray and be excited and be confident in what they believe and how they believe it, that is a great habit that we're instilling in our children. How early do we start instilling this habit? As early as possible. When they're in the womb, we want to sing these great songs to them. We want to read to them and encourage them and pray for them in the womb. And when they come out, we want to share with them and walk with them and and model before them the ways of God. We want them to develop a lifestyle that says, I am fully wrapped up and surrounded in God. If we can raise our children that way, if you and I can put in our own mindset and mentality that God is going to be the central focal point of everything that I do and why I do it, those are great habits that are placed and foundationally Uh, the foundation of how we operate in God. To put God first is the foundation and the beginning of great habits because it'll change our spending habits when we put God first. Somebody laughed, that's funny. (laughs) It'll change our spending habits, when we put God first, it'll make us think about why are we doing and what could we do. It'll change everything that we do. You know, the last couple of weeks, I've just been more and more and more spending time with God. and we go out to eat these restaurants, and we're having a great time eating. And I'm in San Diego last week, and there's restaurants every single place you turn, amazing kinds of food, Mexican food, all kinds of great stuff. We're trying to figure out where we're going to eat. And somewhere in the back of my mind while I'm enjoying my great $28 meal, I'm thinking that there is somebody in another country that can't find a place to eat. Right? They can't find a sandwich. And they love to have the leftovers on my plate. And while I'm in the middle of celebrating and enjoying this day, and I got coworkers with me, and I'm seeing all these people eating their restaurants, I can't help but think to myself, what about these other people? See, when your mentality starts to become saturated with God, you can't help but start to put other people in, in a place where you can't help but to think about how would God want to react, how would God respond, how would God want us to deal. I'm not trying to guilt you out of a cheeseburger, but what I am trying to say to you is that we need. it starts when your habit is about God, it makes you think more about other people than just yourself. Self-centered people oftentimes are not seeking a Christ-centered life. Pretty good stuff right there. It's deep. Self centered people aren't oftentimes seeking a Christ centered life. When my habit is about Christ, when my habit is about thinking God, when my habit is about breathing God, when my habit is about accepting God and achieving God and putting Him in place, letting Him be the first and the last thing that I think about and do, it changes my whole process and my priorities in life. I'll show you in just a second. Here's point number two take out the trash. Watch this, point number two.
1: Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect.
0: When you start making God the focal point of your life, when God starts becoming the reason why you do what you do, when God becomes the habit, when he becomes the reason why you start doing things, it makes you start evaluating your house. Okay, let me say it a little differently. I got four kids. It feels like 12 sometimes. I got four kids. And the more I try to clean up an area in the house, I walk around and I start saying, whose socks are these? Have You guys ever done that? You know how many kids? Okay. Whose shoes are these? Like everything is clean and in this one room there's this miscellaneous sock just somewhere in the house, whose sock is this? Whose stuff is this? The more you start evaluating and starting to try and clean up your area, you'll start to notice that there are some things that are not necessarily clean or in order or where they should be. And when you start evaluating your life, when you're starting to put things in order, when you're starting to get a habit down where you're trying to live ways that they kind of look consistent and straightforward and clean, you'll start to notice the what? Mess. When you start getting involved in making Christ the center point of your life, when it becomes a habit that you're trying to make God everything that you do and everything about the way you process life, you'll start to recognize that there's some trash around. There's some ratchet behavior, and there is some nasty, ungodly things, and there are some unworldly habits. And you and I have to start identifying that ratchet, nasty stuff that you and I do. Are you guys with me? Anybody else got nasty stuff that they do? There are some thought processes that I have that are just nasty and not of God. There are some things that I may think about. There may be some things that I may process on the road, process in the house. There may be some language inside of me. There may be some behaviors or some attitudes inside of me. And I've got to start making it a habit to get this trash out of me. Man, I'm preaching good today. I gotta make it a habit to start throwing out the trash, the language, the filthiness, the activities, the stuff I watch late at night, the stuff that you shouldn't participate in. Whatever. <laughs> so it's just all this stuff. I gotta start making it a habit to get it out of my heart, to get it out of my mind, to get it out of my thought process. I know I've been doing it for 20, 15, 10 years. I've gotta make it a habit to remove this stuff from me, taking out the trash this ratchet, nasty kind of behavior. I've got to start taking out this ungodly behavior, this stuff that doesn't exemplify God's word. This is a rare thing that we use anymore. It's called a Bible. Hi, Bible. Say hi. Hi. See, it talks back if you let it. It's God's word, and we don't take his word too seriously, or we don't read it anymore, or we don't use it as a blueprint to life, but this is what's going to take us out of the trash and take the trash out of our life. You can clean up your house as much as you want, but until you and I start to read and submit and surrender to this word, we're never going to have ultimate true freedom. If we don't make God's word a habit of how we live and how we read and how we process, we're never going to be successful. And let me define habit for you real quick. Habit in this process, in this conversation, is not just you checking off a list that you read your verse or your morning devotional is that you start to read God's Word in anticipation that you will hear from Him. Anybody catch that? We took these kids to High Point Camp for a week, and one of the rules for High Point Camp is that you are not or you should not be allowed to take your cell phone with you. Did y'all catch that? You should not be allowed to take your cellular phone with you to High Point Camp for a week, and these kids went to Christian camp, and they turned in their phones on Monday, and they went to Christian camp. They were there for a week, and I went down, and I picked them up, and guess what happened? Me and Zef had one of the deepest conversations that we've had for a 45-minute car ride before he fell asleep. It was a a two-and-a-half-hour ride, but for 45 minutes, he was awake. It was a great conversation. You know why? Because there was no cell phone. There was no distraction. He sounded like a junkie when he got in the car. Did you bring my phone? I got to have it. You plug it in. You have it? Check my Instagram. No, I don't have it. <laughs> you know, all the stuff they do. And then we talked for 45 minutes about everything until he fell asleep. And it's one of the greatest conversations we've had in the last forever. Why? Because it causes you to prioritize and change stuff. When you start to make a good habit of taking out the trash, when you start grabbing God's word, my conversation level isn't, how was your day? Good. What'd you do at school? Nothing. What was your favorite sport? Blah, blah, blah. It wasn't just that. Now it's conversation. When I go into God's word, when I'm looking to take out this trash, I'm reading his word with anticipation and expectation to hear from him. Do y'all see the difference? I'm not here to read verses 15 through 23. Check, done for the day. I'm looking to hear God's voice. I'm looking to get instruction. I'm looking to make this a habit where I have relationship with him. And in doing so changes the foundation of who you and I are. If you want a clean house, if you want to take out the trash, it's good that you're starting to go to Bible study. It's good that you're starting to go to life group. It's good that you're coming to church. It's good that you're praying. It's good that you're tithing. It's good that you're giving. It's good that you're serving. Are you cleaning out house and fixing the walls of your house? Are you reading? Are you are you putting in place this word? It says you get rid of your rash behavior, your ungodly behavior, and your worldly processes. How you view life, are you viewing it through the lenses of TV, radio, music, activity, culture? Are you viewing it through God's Word? The Bible has become almost this thing that we talk about that we never read about. The Bible's become this thing that we kind of celebrate, but we don't really partake in. Are you guys with me today? Let's get to the last point, Wait, My bad. Number three.
1: If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities.
0: Do your own dishes. I love this because it tells us in order to develop great habits, you got to start taking care of your own stuff. you got to start taking care of your own what? Stuff. There's a phrase that I use with my kids, all of my kids that I coach, and the children in my house. Practice does not make perfect, it makes permanent. Have you guys heard that before? I'll say it again. Practice does not make perfect, it makes permanent. Now, we're used to hearing that practice makes what? Perfect. And I had this, this, this youth pastor who was talking to me when I was first starting a youth pastor, and he says, listen, he says, I want you to understand practice makes, doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. And I was like, I've never heard that before. And he says, just follow me for a second. He says, imagine every, in a, he says, imagine every NBA player that goes to the free throw line. They practice shooting what? Something called free throws, correct? They shoot thousands of free throws every, every year, practice in the games. He said, do they hit every single free throw? I said, no. He said, but what they do do is that they have this practice and motion and rhythm down that the motion is perfect. So even if the shot doesn't drop, it's not because the shot didn't drop that it wasn't right. It's because their motion and form is a certain kind of way that it's going to be consistent the whole time that they do it. You're not going to hit every shot, but you should should perfect this thing to a point where you should almost be able to get it every time. Are you guys with me so far? And so practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. In order for you and I to grow and be successful, we have to understand that we're going to have to take a lot of practice shots so that we can start getting our rhythm and our time and our, and our activities down to a place where we have a permanent motion of what's going on. Taking out or doing your own dishes simply means that you and I have to get in the process of doing this thing consistently, living and building a habit of consistent living with Christ. It doesn't mean that every day you're going to be what? Perfect. Perfect. But it does mean that you'll have the right rhythm, posture, and ability to make the shot when you need to. Man, I'm preaching. Oh, my goodness. I'm tearing the house down. I didn't even get a clap. Nope, I don't want it. Nope, it's too late. Says practice makes Permanent. We have so many people that we're we're doing good for three months, Bible study, I'm giving, I'm sharing, I'm learning, I'm growing, and we have that one mess up, that one what? Oops, that sin, willingly or unwillingly. We commit this thing, we do this thing, and then we say, oh, no, it's all ruined. No, it's not. You were just perfecting something, and you what? Missed your shot. Go back in the game and do it again. And so taking out your trash means that there's going to be days. I'm sorry, when when we talk about doing your own dishes, it means that you're going to be consistently working, and there are going to be times when you don't always hit the mark, but the goal is that we're trying to take care of business every single day, in and out. We're in the process of building a habit that we are what? Consistent in what we do. There's this rule that was given a few years ago. It's called the 21-day law. Have you guys heard this? that in 20, it takes 21 days to build a habit. That's what the teaching had been a few years ago. Now they believe that it takes maybe 66 days to build a habit. And in some cases, up to 254 days, depending on the severity of that habit that you're trying to break or habits you're trying to build. The issue is, is it 21 days, 66 days, 254 days? I don't know. The answer is... The consistency is what ends up breaking the what? Habit or building or establishing what? The habit. And if you're going to be consistent, if you're going to have great habits, if you're going to have habits that are surrounded and saturated by God's hand and his truth, then you and I have got to be consistent. We've got to start doing those dishes on a regular basis. There is nothing worse than when those dishes pile up and you're like, oh, no, we got company coming by an hour. Throw them in the oven. Just put them somewhere. Just, ah, that's not, that's not living. <laughs> so many people are laughing. They're trying to keep it straight out. Like, I'm not going to say anything. You know what? You did it the other day. We're just stuffing stuff in there. We're just, ah, maybe it'll put the thing on top of it in enough way to push it down. Like, that's craziness. But instead of leaving a sock and a shoe that builds up to a mountain of whatever that you have to swim through and go through, make it a consistent habit of working on it, making it a consistent habit of living, taking out those dishes, changing this, fixing that, reading that word, studying that word, practicing that word, breathing that word. That's where life change begins. And that's where godly consistent habits take place. (sighs) Here's point number four. Write it down. Proverbs 25.
1: Though good advice lies deep within the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. It's good that you
0: have all these great ideas. It's important that you write them down. It's great that you have all of these ideas of how you want to accomplish things, but great habits are about writing them down. Something I used to do many, many, many years ago, was I would journal. I would write down my experiences, my angers, my frustrations. You guys with me so far? And then I got a little bit more grown and mature with life, and I started to journal, and I would start to journal the things that God spoke to me in this word. There would be passages of Scripture that were like, leap out to me, and I would say, God, this would be really cool if I could do this. This would be really cool if, if I could experience this. And I would journal those things down, and then I'd journal about the rest of my day. This level of journaling is super important so that you can begin to experience and recognize who God is, so that you can be able to go back and forth and see what God's speaking to you, that it's not just a thought, but it's a plan. And while I'm here, not only should you journal what God speaks to you in the Word and journal down your day and just journal down your feelings and emotions and get those things out, but I would also suggest that you start writing out a list of to-do things and then actually begin to do them. What an unbelievable concept. I know. I would suggest that you would do letter A. Uh, Write out a list of things to do for work each day. Get to work and write down the priorities of the things you need to accomplish. Does that sound difficult? No. You can do it while you eat your breakfast sandwich. Go to copier print out, email, X, Y, and Z. Write it out. I would suggest letter B that you write out a to-do list for school. i just talk to the Wilson boys. I, I pick on my kids all the time. Write out a list for things to do for school. Do you play sports? Does that take up a lot of your time? What about practice? Does that take up a lot of your time? Man, isn't it horrible when you get like a project two weeks out, and on the 13th day, you got 14 days to get in, on the 13th day and six hours left before the 14th day, you're like, I got a project to do. Dude, if you could write that project out and plan that project out and could just kind of take it and break it into little bitty pieces, imagine how much more life would be fun, imagine how much more trouble you would not be in, imagine how much less stress you would per- imagine it, just dream it for a second. <laughs> Wilson boys every single one of my children is like oh my god don't pick on me it would be great <laughs> the 13th day at 11:50 you weren't still up on the laptop doing work printing out stuff while we run to Walmart to get your stuff in the name of Jesus that are free if we could just it'd be great that if you have a project that's due in 14 days, that you would be done on the 11th day. Oh, the freedom. (laughs) Oh, the joy. He's like, don't look at me, I'm looking right at you. If you could say, oh, go to the back. Hey, guys in the back, wouldn't it be awesome if you had a project that was due over the summer and you just broke it down by week I'll do three on Monday and three on Tuesday and three on Wednesday and three on Friday. You could have all of August to yourself. Absolutely, when I got to high school, I figured that out. (laughs) If you could just figure this out, if you could schedule life in a way that school and work were kind of planned out and it became a habit that you did it, how much more time would you have? If you, could, if you could let her see, if you could write it out for your house. We got some people that are great workers, but we have horrible house problems or, ho- or house management. I got husband and wives elbowing each other. Y'all going to be sore. Guns like, I'm glad I came to, work, came to church today by myself. <laughs> no wife, bam. If we could just write it out for the household of what we're going to do, we might have more time as a family. We might have more time to actually have time to do nothing. One amen. I love you, Glenn. Write out a list to do, letter D, for your extracurricular activities. If you made it a hobby, if you made it a job to say, Where is God? prioritizing where is God and how I fix this and how I do life and how we plan and how we activate how we work how we do school how we do things and how if you can make this plan if you can make it a a habit after you've listed it to start to live it out I promise you life might be easier I did the most amazing thing I could have ever did yesterday wife needed a room cleaned Talked about it all week. And I got home Saturday from eight hours of driving from Pennsylvania to Maryland and around and back. She had a list of four things she needed done. Three of them, two and a half of them, she was going to do herself. She took our daughter out for about two hours. And guess what? We did them all before she came home. showing off big time so look we did all this stuff and then I sat down on the couch and I raised my feet up on the little incline thing and I said to myself this is awesome look how much time I have boys you guys want to see a movie and I came downstairs like yeah and it was no drama and no stress in the house because we were done If we could start making a habit of doing that consistently, not just for Saturday, but consistently, I promise you that life would change, and if the wife's happy, and if the husband's happy, then everybody else should be happy in theory, and that's kind of how God works is that the authorities are happy, the authorities are working right, and the rest of the house should start to work right. There was no drama, Dinner was on the table. Everybody was whistling when they put the food away. It was beautiful. It was like the Smurfs had come into my house for one day. It says, number five, do it now. Watch this, Proverbs 24.
1: I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds. And its walls were broken down. Then as I looked through and about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sheep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Make it a habit to do it now.
0: It's one thing to have a list and a list and a list of stuff that you need to do. It's another thing to start accomplishing that list. Are you guys with me? It's another thing to say, okay, I've listed 12 things to do today. One, two, seven, six. I don't care what order you've gotten them done. As long as you can turn that sheet over and say, we are done, you win. I've made it a, a great task in my job to say, listen, if there's 12 things to do, eight of these things are a must-do today, four of these things, we'll see. I might not get them done. I don't do nine through twelve is the possible things that I get done first. I do 1 through 8, and then 9 through 12 is the possible stuff. You guys see that? And if I get through 1 through 8, which I should in case, you know, some emergency, that you know, the emergencies never happen. But, if, you know, if I get through all that stuff and I don't get through 9, 10, 11, 12, then I take those things and put them at the top of the list for what? Tomorrow. Then I feel like I'm accomplishing something. But every time that I don't start going through that list, writing that list down, I find myself spending more time, finding a video on YouTube on how one of my kids can snap the ball. There's nobody else. I'm the only one that does that. You're all liars, every one of you. (laughs) Just pouring out my heart and everybody was like, that guy's a sinner, using up that cover mid-time, ooh, whatever. But it's because if I don't go and stick to that list, if I don't make it a habit that I'm starting to live out this plan and this process, if I don't start doing stuff, you're going to miss it. Wilson boys. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> right. Wilson boys. Hey, guys, miss you. I haven't seen you in a while. Been vacating, loving it. So if you come up with this great list that you show mom and dad, and you're like, look, we got a list. And they go, yes, list. And you don't accomplish the list because now you're like, I gave them a list. I'm good. Then when they come back and they're like, why didn't you do what was on the list? You're going to say, I gave you a list. But did you do anything on the list? I did one. Dude, you guys have got to do what's on the list. Yeah? 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 Wilson boys. If you guys do what's on the list, you will feel more successful and you will accomplish more. Here's what happens when you don't go through the list properly. I've been to San Diego all week. My flight got back at 10 o'clock at night. I get home. All I've had all day was a bag of chips and half a Sprite. Gotta eat. Go to Burger King, get a delicious nasty sandwich, eat that, get in bed, go to sleep about 12.45. I gotta be up at 5.40 in the morning to get the church van so that I can go to Pennsylvania and pick up kids. Horrible decision. Bad, bad, bad planning. I didn't think that through. So I wake up at 6.30. you ding! I wake up at 6.30. I'm on California time. I grab Tyler. I said, we got to go get the high school kids. We go up to the church. We get the church van. The instructions that I heard was, if there's money in the church van, Take that to get gas. If there's no money in the church van, um, that means that I fill the van up. You guys with me? I get in the van. I see that the needle is on a letter. I don't know what that letter is. I look for money. There's no money. So I have already said that the church van is now what? Full. You guys with me? And I head out in the church van, in a church van that has a gas leak in it, by the way. I head out in a church van where the letter looks like it's on a letter. The needle looks like it's on a letter, so I'm assuming that's a letter F because F and E pretty much are the same. If you block one of the parts of, of E, then it looks like F. So I'm driving an hour headed to Pennsylvania, and the car the van just stops and just slows down. And I pull on the side of the road. I'm an hour out from picking up the kids. It's on time at 9 o'clock. I might have been driving fast to get up to Pennsylvania. It's not the point pulls over. There's no gas in the car. I'm pretty sure I said, oh, no, God, a few times. I'm pretty sure. I hopped out the car, and now I am waving people down for help. A guy finally pulls up two minutes later. What's the problem? I tell him what's happening. He's like, I got somewhere to be uh, there's an exit. Like, I, 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 There's one exit down. There's a gas station. Let me call my wife. He calls his wife. She comes with a gas can. We put the gas can in the, in the car. The gas can is cracked. It's now leaking gasoline all over me. Wait, it gets better. And so we're kind of like, okay. She drives me up to the gas station. We have to fill the gas can all the way up to the very top. So when we get back to the van, I can pour half of the gas on the floor and on the ground and on me and the other half of the gas in the car. That gets us enough gas to get to the gas station. We fill up uh, we put $30 in the tank, and there's a leak. So I got to put another $20 in the tank. Just So far, I've spent $70 in gas to get half a tank. <laughs> Supposed to pick the kids up at 9 o'clock, and we picked them up at 1034. And they were so nice. They were like, hey, it's okay. Things happen. We love you. God bless you. I was like, I love Christian camp. If this had been daycare, I'd have had like a bill of $150. I was already ready to give him the church card. I had the stuff, and I was like, we're just going charge the card. I was like, man, I know it's going to happen. No reprimands. Hope you come back next year. I was like, Jesus is awesome sometimes. We get in the car. We drive back another two and a half hours almost. I got to put another $20 in the tank just to keep the needle like two lines above E. And I get back to my car, and I am done. You got it? I am done. So when I get home and my wife says, listen, I got three things I need to do. I need you to do half of this one thing, and I need you to do this other thing. And I'm like, why do I have to do the other thing? You know what the other thing is. I don't want to do the other thing because I didn't even do it. (laughs) I didn't even do it, and I don't want to do it. And she left the house, and I said, guess what? Let's just what? Do it. And that's the mentality you and I have to start walking around with, is in order to develop great habits, you can write all the lists you want. You can talk about God is great and he's phenomenal. You can read all the Bible studies you want. You can listen to all the stuff you want about Christ. You can think that you're serving humanity in the world. But if you don't do it, it doesn't really matter. Wilson boys. Right. <laughs> Wilson boys, man, you guys have been on vacation. I miss you guys so much. Dude, the only way you're going to get better on the cross is you're going to have to put some work in, buddy. And it's going to cost you some gym hours. It's going to cost you some phone time. It's going to cost you some text time. It's going to cost you some video game time. This is how you become successful is you just do it. Nike made a whole ad about it. You remember? Check, swish, just do it. I believe I can... No, no, okay, they made, they made that whole thing. Just do it. You can dream to be great all you want, but you won't be great until you do it. When you do it is when life begins to change. Remember, our quote says that, that, that our good habits or bad habits to some degree show people um, who and how we are and how we relate to them and ultimately the kingdom of God. The more that you do, the more that you become, the better you are. I'm not here to glorify this, but if you're talking about somebody that shouldn't be preaching and shouldn't be a pastor, I'm your number one candidate. If there's a pastor that doesn't deserve a second or eighth chance because of bad life decisions, I'm that guy. I would elbow some people for the front row. And yet, and still, God is using me to hopefully impart something in you. Not because I'm super awesome, I'm kind of awesome, Glenn, but not because I'm super awesome, but because ultimately I am trying to live a life that's honoring God. I'm trying to make habits that are about God, and ultimately it starts to impact other people's lives. If you want to live a great life for God, if you want to have habits that glorify God, then it remains to be seen that if you don't put the work in, you will never fully experience the glory and the goodness of God if you just don't do it. I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I don't have the resources, I don't have, whatever. We all got excuses. Do it. Work for the Lord. Honor your marriage for the Lord. Put in great habits that glorify and push him to the for- forefront. Do those things consistently in your performance, in your job, at school, Wilson Boys, at, at school, and practice, all those things that you guys do. Do it for the honor and the glory of God. Do it because I want this to be a great habit that exemplifies God, and I promise you there will be life change. Here's the last point, number six. Turn it off. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11.
1: So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall.
0: It literally says that God has intended rest for his people. He has intended rest for his people. Once they have left this life and crossed over, I believe that he has given us rest for this day and time. There is a time to turn it off. There is a time to say, listen, and part of building great habits is establishing a habit of what? Rest. If your plans are circled and centered around God, if your plans and how you operate are centered around God, then you will also plan out a day or a time to rest. How do I know this is true? Because there's at least seven accounts when God created the earth that at the end of each day, he rested. He said it is good. He take great joy out of it. We created the, separated the dark from the light. He said it is good, and he took a break. He said we created the earth, and there's grass and trees and creepy, crawly things. It's good. And he goes to the list, and on the seventh day, he what? Rest. The God of the universe made a list. He worked out the list. His habit was to be consistent, to do the list, move on, and then he found a day of rest. Is everybody with me? I told this church two weeks ago I had preached out of fifty-two weeks, forty-seven weeks. Forty-seven weeks. A lot of y'all are like, that's your job. I was like, I know. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. I'm supposed to do. And then one of our leaders sat with another group of leaders from another church we had we had dinner with like two Fridays with uh, two Fridays ago. And one of our leaders brought that up. And each of those leaders looked at me like I was the devil. Did y'all hear that? They looked at me like I was an evil wicked person. And they all said to me, one on one, by themselves, they said that is too much. You cannot be healthy doing that all the time. How can you hear from God? How can you pour into God, uh, pour into people uh, through God when you are on such a grind schedule? What else do you do? And I listed all the other stuff I'm doing, and they said, How are you healthy? I said, Feel pretty good. They said, how are you healthy? Because you are on too much of a grind. If you don't find rest, this is not going to be healthy for you. Did you hear that? I was on my cruise like three weeks ago with Rosie on our, on our 10 days of rest. And I text Kristen, our church administrator, and the first things I said was, don't tell Rosie. Hotel Rosie. Blah, 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 blah. Church, church, church. And she said, dude, this is okay. This is taken care of. I'll get back to you on it. Get off your phone. That's a problem. So I went to San Diego, and I had a whole week to do nothing. I looked like an old, grumpy man. I came home. There were no kids to run the practice. There was no, nothing that needed to be fixed. There was nothing. For the first time in years, I pulled out a journal and I wrote for me. For the first time in years that so I can honestly tell you guys, I read the Bible not for a sermon. It sounds horrible to say because I'm trying to kind of scrape a little off the plate when I'm giving you guys a message and I'm feeding me a little bit of my little bits and then I'm making the dinner for you guys. I got the scraps for me, you guys get the meal. And man, did God speak. He missed speaking to me a couple months ago, but I was too busy. And the first thing I did was I text Marty and I said, dude, I got a plan. And this plan is going to be great for everybody. And I sent him the plan. And Marty's like, yeah, if you love Jesus, it's a great plan. But you know, be careful, big dog. Don't worry, it's going to work. I feel it. I'm convinced about this plan. And now there's a plan in place for me to rest every so often. I can't be any good for my family. Can't be any, any good for me can't be any good for you all. The plan isn't in place. And then God spoke to me. You guys ready for this one? And then he said, one of those leaders that you were talking to, they specialize in making sure that all of their leadership in church follows the plan. Why don't you reach out to that guy to help hold you accountable that you stick to the plan? whoa. And so I got his information so that we will connect on Monday, that he will give me a plan on how to stay accountable to the plan of resting. I'm not giving you information that I myself have not done or I'm not willing to do because I want to be healthy. Are you guys with me? If you want your marriage to be healthy, This is a great plan, but you're going to have to be able to do it. You're going to have to take time to rest and find God's glory and find his wisdom and find his spirit and find his breath. If you want great grades, Wilson boys, Wade men, all of my wonderfulness that I have here. If you want to be successful in finishing in your continuing education, in your schooling, in your college, in your whatever that you're going, you're going to have to get it all down. You're going to have to make it a habit, and then you're going to have to rest. And I'll finish with this. Tyler said, are you still at school? <laughs> said, yeah, I'm at school. So you don't do your work at home anymore. So That's because I found a way to get it all done that I don't convenience our household, inconvenience our household anymore. You guys with me? I said because I've gotten a plan. Because when I come home, I shouldn't be drawing from my family to bang out this last paper. And if I'm going to do that, then i got to cut something out so that I can still be available for my family. I'm planning to make plans so that I can, what, rest. All these things you have to do. And you should be able to find ways to rest so that you can enjoy the moments that God has for you. I ain't going nowhere. (laughs) Y'all got real quiet. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just making better plans to be healthier. I'm still serving the Lord 100%, but I'm going to make plans and arrangements so that I can and you should also do the same thing so that you can be healthier. Amen. Let's finish with this takeaway real quick. Marty, read that one more time for me, please.
1: What we have been trained to do, whether good or bad, defines to some degree our benefits to the people around us and the kingdom of God.
0: you have a phone, screenshot it. We're going to leave it up here for a second. I want you to get this down. That your habits, good or bad, are going to impact people to some degree. They're going to impact the kingdom of God and the reflection of the kingdom of God. If we make God our center focal point of why we do the habits that we do, I promise you, without a shadow of a doubt, that your lives will change in an amazing, impacting way. That people in this community, across the country and the world, will change. That people in your own house, in your marriage, in your finances, with your children, with your activities, with your coworkers, it will change. It may not be the change you expect right away, but it's change. Some change is just a seed being planted, and in time, it will grow and do what it needs to. In time, it will be an example that changes the lives of others, but it will change. Amen? As we get our hearts ready for communion, as the band is coming up, I want to pray for us real quick. Father, thank you for this series over the last 10 weeks. Thank you for allowing us to humble ourselves, allow us to think great thoughts and think about great people to have in our lives and think about great sacrifices and think about uh, great moments we need to celebrate and enjoy, to pray great prayers, to read great books. Father, thank you for each and every part of this series. Father, building us a habit that reflects the lifestyle of you reflects who you are, It gives us the power and the joy and the excitement to walk out these days, even though they may be tough, even though they may be challenging, they would honor you in every aspect. Father, touch our hearts and our minds and our spirits to look like, to walk like, to be like you. In Jesus' name we pray.